Chapter Thirteen of Moral Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Moral Tales by Elizabeth Charlotte Pauline Guizot. Chapter Thirteen: Edward and Eugenia, or the Embroidered Bag and the New Coat. Decoration. Oh, I do love you so," said Eugenia to little Agatha, her schoolfellow, to whom she had taken a violent fancy and as she said this she almost smothered her with kisses. "'And I love you very much, too,' said Agatha, disengaging herself from her arms. "'But why do you not like me to play with Fanny?' "'Because you would love her more than me.' "'Is Fanny then more amiable?' asked one of the governesses, who had overheard her. "'Certainly not,' said Eugenia, whom this supposition very much displeased but I do not wish her to love Fanny even as much as she loves me. You do not then know how to be sufficiently amiable to make yourself more loved than another? Oh, yes, I do, replied Eugenia, with increasing irritability, but I do not wish her to play with Fanny. Thus saying, she took Agatha by the hand and made her run with her in the walk before them. The governess allowed them to go, quite sure of finding an opportunity of renewing the conversation. After they had run about for some time, Eugenia, feeling fatigued, as it was a holiday, seated herself on a bench in the garden with a book of tales which had been given her on the previous evening, and which amused her very much. But Agatha, who was not fond of reading, wished to continue playing. She walked round and round Eugenia, trod upon her dress, and pulled the marker of her book in order to prevent her from reading. At length she came behind her with a handful of grass, and holding it above her head, she let it fall before her eyes, upon her person, and upon the page with which she was occupied. Eugenia became angry, tore the grass from her hands, and told her to let her alone, for she annoyed her. Agatha? "'Go and play with Fanny,' said the governess, who was passing at the moment. "'Why do you wish her to go and play with Fanny?' asked Eugenia, hastily rising, and ready to fly into a passion had she dared to do so. At the same time she threw down the book in order to go and catch Agatha, who had already set off. "'You do not wish to play with her. Probably Fanny might be more obliging. But I have already been playing.' It seems that it pleased you then, while it does not please you now. As you like to employ the time according to your own fancy, she has a right to employ it according to hers, and I advise her to go and look for Fanny. Eugenia, who had nothing to urge, recommenced playing with Agatha, but in such ill humour that she only tried to contradict her, making her run to the right and to the left against her inclination pulling her arm sometimes forward, sometimes backward, sometimes upward, for she was taller than Agatha. Agatha got angry, tried in vain to stop her, and not being able to extricate herself from her hands, cried out with all her might to be let go. But Eugenia still went on, saying, "'You wish to run, then let us run.' They were, however, stopped at the entrance of an arbour by the governess, who was walking on this side. "'If I were you,' she said, addressing Agatha, "'I should go and play with Fanny. "'She would not pull you so roughly by the arm.' "'What does she want?' replied Eugenia. "'I am doing what she wishes.' 
but you do not do it in the manner that she wishes and since you have no right over her you can only retain her by doing whatever she pleases thus the moment that you contradict her in the least thing that you do not yield to all her whims that you do not accommodate yourself to all her caprices she will do quite right to go and play with fanny if fanny suits her better very well let her go replied eugenia she shall not touch my great doll any more nor look at my books of prints and she shall not have the chaplet of horse-chestnuts that i was going to make for her but i did not say that i would go and play with fanny replied agatha almost crying at the thought of not having the chaplet of horse-chestnuts only do not pull my arm so violently peace was made it was now the time for going in besides agatha dreadfully frightened at the thought of losing the chaplet did all day just whatever eugenia pleased so there were no more quarrels on that occasion but they soon recommenced the mistress said to eugenia try to love agatha a little more if you would not have her prefer fanny and do i not love her enough said eugenia i am constantly making her presents and only the day before yesterday i gave her my prettiest work-box yes after having refused it to her for three days although you saw that she longed for it very much but when she thought of telling you that fanny had one quite as pretty which she had almost promised her then with a very bad grace you gave her yours you did not care about giving her this pleasure but you were afraid lest another should give it if you took half the pains to make her love you that you take to prevent her loving others you would succeed much better but eugenia did not understand this she loved agatha as a doll which amused her and with which she did what she pleased she carried her on her shoulders for her own sport sent her to fetch her handkerchief or her work when she had forgotten it made herself absolute mistress of the little garden which had been given to them in common and carefully watched that she did not obey the wishes of others as she would then have been less attentive to hers agatha liked eugenia because she made her presents and gave her little cardboard carriages and other things which amused her but above all else because being much older cleverer and more advanced than herself she did almost all her work for her unknown to the mistresses eugenia never restrained on her account either her ill-humour or her caprices she left her to weary herself when she was not disposed to amuse her and when the others were too much occupied to do so in her place she was especially jealous of fanny because she knew that fanny who was sensible and manifested a friendship for agatha would have paid her more attention than she herself cared to be at the trouble of paying the holidays were at hand eugenia was going to pass three weeks in the country at her home but agatha whose parents resided at a greater distance could not go away eugenia felt sorry to leave her but she was consoled by the thought that fanny was going as well as herself it so happened that agatha after being completely ennuyée during the first few days took it into her head to work in order to amuse herself as eugenia was not there for her to depend upon she endeavoured to succeed by herself she was praised for her application this encouraged her and she became so fond of working that she made especially in embroidery astonishing progress she mentioned nothing of this in her letters to eugenia as she wished to surprise her but when the latter returned agatha showed her a beautiful bag that she had commenced it is very well said eugenia coldly 
for she never willingly gave praise then taking the work out of her hands she was going to do some of it but agatha no longer wished any one to touch her work and therefore prevented her eugenia became angry and when agatha asked her advice on some point she said oh you can do very well without it you have become so clever afterwards wishing to know for whom the work was intended and agatha refusing to tell her she asserted that it was for fanny or for some new friend which she had made during her absence agatha merely laughed and continued her work however she performed many little acts of friendship for eugenia who repelled them because she saw her also kind to her other schoolfellows whom she was very glad to see again the ill-humour of Eugenia was still further increased by finding that Agatha, who was now more industrious and more tractable, and disturbed the other girls less in their work and in their games, was better received among them, while she on her part felt more pleasure in their society. Still she always preferred Eugenia, but as the latter passed her time in quarrelling with her, they frequently separated in anger. One day, when Agatha had just finished her work-bag, had lined it with rose-colour, and had put in the strings, the girls showed it to one another and admired it, and all were astonished at the progress she had made. Agatha, greatly pleased, glanced at Eugenia, who ought to have guessed her intention, but her ill-temper completely blinded her. "'It is very tiresome,' she said, to hear people constantly talking of the same thing. "'What?' replied Agatha, are you sorry to hear them speak well of me what does this signify to me said eugenia since you no longer love me then taking the bag from the hands of the girl who held it let me see this beautiful bag she continued i am the only one to whom you have not shown it then seizing it roughly she crumpled it soiled it and rolling it up into a small ball she began running about and tossing it up in her hands she thought it was for Fanny, because for two days she and Agatha had held long consultations together respecting the manner of putting in the strings. Agatha ran after her, crying, and quite in despair at seeing her work thus pulled about. All the other girls also pursued Eugenia, who, seeing herself surrounded, wanted to put it under her feet in order to be able to retain it, or perhaps to tear it to pieces but just at the moment when she was stooping down for this purpose one of the girls pulled her by the dress and made her fall upon the grass the bag was left free fanny picked it up and carried it in triumph to agatha who being the smallest had arrived the last she threw herself upon fanny's neck exclaiming it was for eugenia it shall now be for you it is you who shall be my friend eugenia as she had only herself to blame became all the more enraged and declared that she would never have another friend agatha however was grieved at having given her pain and wished to be reconciled to her even fanny who was kind and gentle wanted to give up the bag to her but eugenia still angry declared that if she took it it would only be to throw it over the garden walls nor would she speak to Agatha except to call her a little ungrateful thing. "'Did she owe you, then, much gratitude?' asked the governess. "'Certainly she did, for all that I have done for her.' "'And what did she owe you for all that you have refused her?' "'Was I then obliged to yield to all her whims?' 
it would appear so since you wished her to yield to all yours that would have been a difficult matter to settle said eugenia pettishly and you see that it has not been settled what motive could agatha have to induce her to comply with your wishes i complied with hers often enough yes but when your inclinations were opposed why should it be hers that must yield for myself i cannot see why it was because she did not love me and because you did not love her either since you did not yield to her more i certainly loved her much more than she loved me for i always wished to be with her but as for her so long as she was amused it was much the same to her whether she was with me or not you should then have tried to become necessary to her i do not know how i should have done that nothing would have been more easy if you had shown yourself pleased whenever she expressed pleasure no matter whence that pleasure came if for instance when louisa called her to look at her book of prints instead of being angry at her leaving you you had appeared glad that she was going to be amused then as her joy would have been increased by her seeing you pleased she would never have looked at a picture without wishing to show it to you for her pleasure could never be perfect unless you partook of it and she would have ended quite naturally by not desiring those enjoyments which you could not share but for this you ought to have begun by interesting yourself in her pleasures rather than in your own it was hardly worth the trouble of loving her said eugenia bitterly if it was to have been for her pleasure and not for my own then it was yourself that you loved and not her this conversation did not correct eugenia she perceived indeed the truth of what had been said to her but she was deficient in that sentiment of friendship which leads us to think of others before ourselves as her first impulse always was to consider what she wished others to do for her her second was a feeling of annoyance at their not having acted sufficiently to her liking in such a case it was useless to hope that she would think of what she owed to them always commencing by imagining that they had acted wrongly towards her she did not consider herself under any obligation to them she was ignorant of the delight that is experienced in making a sacrifice for those we love and being constantly dissatisfied with others she never enjoyed the pleasure of feeling satisfied with herself she did not endeavour to make new friends in the school what had passed between her and agatha and the conversations of the governess had convinced her that in order to do so she had too much to overcome in her own disposition besides the adventure of the embroidered bag had caused her companions to form a worse opinion of her than she deserved she was therefore passing her time very drearily when a great misfortune befell her she lost her father and this loss was the more grievous as her mother had been long dead and she was now consequently left quite an orphan her companions displayed much concern for her affliction and especially fanny who grieved at having given her pain on account of agatha was constantly seeking opportunities of being with her for a time as all were occupied about her eugenia was pleased with every one and as this state of mind rendered her more gentle and considerate they imagined that her character had altered and again began to love her but when after having occupied themselves for some time with her griefs 
her companions returned to their ordinary games and conversations she was as much shocked at hearing them laugh as if they had all lost their parents the mistress one day found her in tears and complaining that no one any longer took an interest in her misfortunes eugenia said the governess who is there among your companions for whom in a similar case you would have interrupted for a longer period your ordinary occupations and amusements eugenia only replied by saying that no one loved her in that school and that she wished she could leave it this satisfaction was soon granted to her her father's life had been shortened by the grief occasioned by the bad state of his affairs when he was dead his creditors came together and made a small annual allowance to his children this however was not sufficient to defray the expenses of eugenia's education and that of her brother edward who was pursuing his studies in one of the colleges of germany it was therefore arranged that they should both be placed with a cousin an elderly lady who consented to be satisfied with the allowance made eugenia was transported with joy at the thought of living with her brother whom she had not seen for ten years but who wrote her such charming letters and who besides as she was his only sister ought certainly to love her better than any one else in the world she was still more enchanted when she saw him she was then fourteen years of age and her brother seventeen he was tall and handsome as well as mild amiable and intelligent he was exceedingly kind to her and promised to teach her all he knew himself he told her that since they had no fortune he must try to make one for them and began by giving her half the little money he had brought with him from germany eugenia wept for joy at the kindness of her brother when he was gone she could talk of nothing else she asked all her companions whether they had seen him and whether they did not think him handsome she related the slightest particular of their conversation and all that he had done and all that he had seen there was not a town through which he had passed the name of which she did not pronounce with some emphasis if she forgot anything she said i will ask him to-morrow when he comes is he coming then said the little ones who always inquisitive had formed the project of putting themselves in embuscade near the door in order to see what eugenia's brother was like oh he cannot fail said eugenia with an air of importance she already seemed to think that her brother lived only for her convenience and had nothing to do but to come and see her the next day came but edward did not make his appearance eugenia greatly agitated watched the door and the clock you must have mistaken the hour said she but it was not the hour apparently but the day that he had mistaken for it passed and still he did not come neither did he make his appearance on the following day eugenia's heart was bursting with grief and vexation and her annoyance was increased by the derision of the little girls who incessantly repeated oh he cannot fail to come i shall scold him well said eugenia pretending to laugh the following day she was sent for as a person had come to take her to her cousin's house she did not doubt that her brother had also come but she only saw her cousin's old cook who told her in a grumbling tone to make haste because the coach must only be kept an hour and that it was already dear enough but eugenia did not understand her quite bewildered at not seeing edward with her she already thought herself forgotten and abandoned 
she scarcely embraced her companions who had surrounded her to bid her farewell but throwing herself into the coach began to weep while the cook kept grumbling between her teeth that it was well worth the trouble of coming to eat other people's bread only to complain under their very eyes it was nevertheless certain that the small sum paid for the board of eugenia and edward was an advantage to their cousin who was not rich but the cook was avaricious and out of humour and did not reflect so that thus she only saw the extra expense besides she was accustomed to govern her mistress who provided she had every day a dinner which suited her dog and her cat fresh chickweed for her birds and nuts for her parrot allowed the cook to do just as she pleased the arrival of these two additional guests quite disconcerted her eugenia felt distressed and humiliated but did not however dare to complain she was no longer with persons to whom she had been accustomed to exhibit her ill-humour and her new position intimidated her as to her cousin with whom she was acquainted she knew very well that she would not torment her but she also knew that she would in no way trouble herself about her and it was especially requisite to eugenia's happiness that people should take an interest in her therefore it was of edward alone that she thought it was he whom she was anxious to see in order to let the whole weight of her vexation fall upon him it was on his account that she was careful on entering not to conceal her eyes too much under her bonnet so that he might clearly see that she had been weeping she entered the room but he was not there the table was laid but only for two she saw that edward would not come would not dine with her on the day of her arrival she did not inquire for him for she could not speak her cousin wished her good morning just as if she had seen her on the previous evening and did not even perceive that her eyes were red with crying but the moment she began to eat her bosom swelled and a sob escaped her which made her cousin raise her eyes you are sorry to leave your school my dear she said that is quite natural but you will soon get over that then without thinking any more about it or even troubling herself to see whether eugenia was eating or not she began to give the cat and dog their dinners and to talk to Cateau, who being very ill-mannered either did not reply at all or gave wrong answers so that she had to repeat the same question twenty times over after dinner an old lodger in the house came up to play a game at piquet which lasted until the evening eugenia could therefore torment or comfort herself or sulk at her leisure without there being any one to call her to account for it at last she heard edward arrive she was so greatly delighted that she endeavoured to frown as much as possible on receiving him and succeeded so well in giving a gloomy expression to her face that edward who ran eagerly to embrace her drew back a step or two to inquire what was the matter with her oh nothing is the matter with me she said dryly he insisted upon knowing and as she persisted in giving similar answers to his inquiries he at last pretty well conjectured the cause of her annoyance and explained to her that during the last three days he had been occupied in visiting some of his father's relations whom he wished to conciliate in order to see if they could obtain any employment for him and on this day he had been to visit one of them who lived at a considerable distance and who could not be seen until four o'clock so that he had been unable to return by dinner-time he then reminded her that it was very unreasonable to be so vexed and tried to joke with her but seeing that she neither yielded to reason nor pleasantry 
he went off singing and seated himself for a moment beside the piquet players presently after he went to his room having first gaily kissed his sister in order to prove to her that for his part he was not out of humour eugenie was very much annoyed that he took the matter so easily and although she had a little recovered she thought she ought to preserve her dignity as an offended person thus when edward on the following morning asked her whether she would like him to give her some lessons in drawing she replied coldly that she did not know that she would see edward believing that she was indifferent about the matter did not urge it further and she was very much annoyed that he had taken quite literally what she had said he went out and she became angry with him for leaving her although she had not accepted his proposition to remain he returned to dinner greatly delighted at having met one of his old companions his friend had introduced him to his father and the latter had invited him to spend a few days with them in the country during the summer eugenie observed dryly that he was in a great hurry to leave them it is not just now and it is only for a few days replied edward would you not have taken advantage of a similar offer if it had presented itself to you oh as to that no such offer would have been made to me and is it then on this account that you are sorry i should profit by it said edward with still more gentleness than before eugenia began to cry she felt the injustice of that egotism which could not endure that those she loved should enjoy any pleasure which she did not share but it was in her heart and she did not know how to conquer it edward kissed her comforted her and passed the whole evening with her talking to her of their affairs of his projects and of a thousand other rational subjects eugenia quite delighted thought when she went to bed that no one could have a more amiable brother than herself the following days passed off very well he had proposed to her to employ a part of their mornings in reading english together and this they had done but as he was very anxious to gain information he had been advised to attend some of the public lectures and to visit the manufactories the mornings being thus taken up he proposed to defer the english until the evening but eugenia who was displeased that the lesson did not take precedence of everything else replied that she did not like studying at night edward said no more about the matter by degrees he ceased altogether to speak about his affairs he would have had the greatest pleasure in giving her an account of his proceedings but eugenia was always annoyed at those occupations which took him away from home and listened to his accounts of them in so cold and listless a manner and sometimes even she was so much displeased that fancying she took no interest in his pleasures he soon became silent and did not again recur to them certain of not being able to speak a word without giving her pain he became uncomfortable and constrained in her society in the evening after having spent some time behind the piquet table of his cousin in studying his words he either retired to his room or went out as for eugenia she could never go out for her cousin was subject to rheumatism and would not have dared to expose herself to the air and besides would not have put herself out of the way on eugenia's account tears often started into edward's eyes when he looked upon his sister and thought of the melancholy life she led but if he wished to speak a kind word to her she repulsed him with so much asperity that he renounced the hope of ever being able to render her happy as he was extremely sensible for his age 
his father's friends had introduced him into several families where he had been well received and was sometimes invited to spend the evening with them the idea that he could amuse himself while she was wearied to death threw eugenia into despair the house that he mostly frequented was that of fanny's aunt with whom fanny had resided since she left school as her mother had been long dead eugenia was indignant that fanny had not sought to renew their acquaintance though edward had assured her that she had the greatest wish to do so but was not permitted by her aunt on account of their old cousin whom she did not like eugenia persuaded herself however that fanny had not done as much as she could have done she was angry with the aunt with the niece and with edward who took pleasure in their society and who no longer dared to speak to her of fanny's amiability and kindness as on two or three occasions he had attempted to do eugenia sometimes saw mademoiselle benoit this lady was the governess who had so vainly endeavoured to make her more reasonable her griefs were the only topic of their conversation and edward was the text oh, my poor eugenia said mademoiselle benoit with an air of compassion why do you not love him more you would then take an interest in his pleasures no replied eugenia warmly it is because i love him that i cannot endure that he should abandon me to go and amuse himself and forget me her disposition became daily more and more morose a profound melancholy seemed to take possession of her mind she no longer took pleasure in anything and even her health began to give way edward perceived all this with the deepest grief but without knowing how to remedy it on the other hand a situation which he had hoped to obtain had been given to another an office in which he had been promised an engagement was never established the money he had brought with him from germany was all gone and he saw nothing before him but unhappiness for both their mutual friendship would have alleviated it but eugenia's disposition marred everything one morning when she was in the hall she heard edward in the passage talking to the cook catherine said he in a low voice could you not occasionally look to my linen nothing has been done to it since i have been here and soon i shall not have a shirt that is not torn indeed cried catherine in a very loud voice probably that eugenia might hear her i have so much time to amuse myself in that way give them to mademoiselle eugenia she might very well undertake to keep them in order but she thinks of nothing but playing the fine lady catherine replied edward in a very firm though low voice eugenia gives you no trouble she asks no favours of you and consequently what she does or what she leaves undone does not concern you in any manner eugenia who had approached the door did not lose a word of this reply her heart beat with a joy such as she had not experienced for a long time she would gladly have gone and embraced her brother but she did not dare to do so some undefinable feeling restrained her however she opened the door when a servant came from fanny's aunt to invite edward to pass the evening with them he said that he would go the heart of eugenia was again oppressed she closed the door that does not prevent him from going out to enjoy himself she said and she threw herself into a chair weeping and thinking herself more unhappy than ever the bare idea of what the cook had said threw her into a violent passion without however leading her to regret her negligence 
so much did the thought of her own wrongs prevent her from thinking of those which she inflicted upon others at dinner she was more than usually sad and edward appeared sad too a short time after they had left the table he said that he was going to his own room to study and then to spend the evening out said eugenia with that tone of bitterness which had become habitual to her no said edward i shall not go and by what wonderful chance edward told her that when he was going to dress he had found his coat so much torn that he was obliged to resolve on remaining at home that said eugenia is what happens to me every day well eugenia he replied if that can console you it will henceforward also happen to me every day with these words he went out of the room eugenia saw that she had grieved him and for the first time in her life she thought she might be in the wrong it was also the first time she had seen edward sad and unhappy and this circumstance so occupied her mind that she was prevented from thinking so much of herself nevertheless she was not very sorry that he was obliged to remain in the house when she returned to her room she heard catherine who was very cross with him crying out that madame did not understand having so many candles burnt that there were none in the house and that she would not give him any until that time both edward and eugenia had bought candles for themselves in order to avoid catherine's ill-temper but now edward had no money left whilst catherine went away grumbling edward remained leaning against the wall with his arms folded and his head bent down he was pale from the effort he had made to prevent himself from answering catherine although it was beginning to get dark eugenia was so struck with the pallid and melancholy expression of his usually animated countenance that at that moment she would have given the world to prevent his wanting anything she timidly proposed to him to come and sit in her room as she had still some candle left he took his book and commenced reading eugenia was careful not to interrupt him it seemed as if she were afraid that by hearing him speak she should discover the extent of his melancholy and besides what she most wished at this time was to have edward to do as he pleased two notes of invitation were brought to him one to a concert which was to take place the following day and to which he had a great wish to go the other to a ball where he was to have danced with fanny he threw them into the fire all that is past he said i must think no more of it oh how these words pierced the heart of eugenia how she reproached herself for what she had said and for the joy she had at first experienced edward went to bed early as for herself she could not sleep all night she thought how wrong she had been in neglecting edward's wardrobe and she remembered that he had never even reproached her she determined not to lose a moment in putting it in order if she could also mend his coat if he could go to the concert she waited with great impatience until it was daylight and until edward had gone out in his morning wrapper she then ran and took his coat sought among her wools for one to match it found one and full of zeal began her work but the hole was so large that she tried in vain to cover it a dozen times she unpicked what she had done and did it over again but this kind of work upon a worn-out material only increased the evil greatly excited all flushed and heated the more she tried to get on the less she advanced at length when she had almost lost all hope of success she heard edward return 
she began to cry and when he entered he saw her with the coat upon her knees and her eyes filled with tears here said she i had hoped you might have been able to go to the concert and i have only made the hole larger edward embraced her tenderly he was delighted to find her attentive and occupied about him he called her his dear his good eugenia but all these marks of affection only increased her tears she could not reconcile herself to the thought of edward's passing the whole winter without going out i shall be like you then my dear eugenia said edward oh don't think about me this was the first time she had made use of such an expression it was the first time such a sentiment had entered her heart but she had at length discovered that the griefs of those we love are much more distressing than our own as soon as edward had left her room she ran to her drawers gathered together her few trinkets and a louis that still remained of the money that edward had given her and wrote to mademoiselle benoit telling her that she wanted most urgently to see her mademoiselle benoit came that very evening eugenia told her everything and said that with her trinkets and this money she must buy a coat for edward but the trinkets were of too little value to answer the purpose eugenia was in despair mademoiselle benoit proposed a plan to her i have taught you to make flowers she said buy some materials and i will lend you some instruments and also assist you the winter is coming on ornaments will be required we shall sell cheap and shall have as many customers as we desire eugenia embraced mademoiselle benoit in a transport of joy all the vivacity she had formerly employed in making agatha and her companions angry now returned and she determined to commence on the following day she sometimes worked while edward was present but the greater part of her work was executed in his absence she would not lose an instant all her cheerfulness and bloom returned and edward was astonished at the change he thought it arose from her being no longer jealous at seeing him go out without her and notwithstanding his kindness he would sometimes have been tempted to be a little vexed if the uneasiness she manifested when she saw him sad and the industry with which she occupied herself when not busy with her flowers in putting his linen in order had not led him to forgive what he regarded as a weakness at length after two months work the necessary sum was completed the coat was ordered made brought home and placed upon edward's bed eugenia had learned from mademoiselle benoit that fanny's aunt was to give a ball and she got edward invited he came home she saw him pass and trembled for joy he beheld the coat and could not conceive where it came from eugenia had no wish to conceal herself it is i she exclaimed it is from my work from my flowers and here is a note inviting you to a ball at fanny's this evening What? said edward are you occupying yourself about my pleasures while leading so dreary a life oh do not make yourself uneasy i have discovered a plan of amusing myself i shall work for you edward was deeply moved he could not express to his sister all the tenderness he felt for her nor the esteem with which her conduct inspired him she would let him have no peace however until he was dressed until he had cast aside his old soiled coat for the beautiful new one she was never tired of looking at him so much did she think him improved 
she arranged his cravat and his hair she was anxious that everything should be in order and she hurried him to the ball where she imagined that every one must be delighted to see him and she felt inexpressible joy at beholding him depart mademoiselle benoit who came that evening to see her found her as much animated as if she had been at the ball herself do you think you love your brother as much now she said smiling as when you were annoyed at his leaving you oh a great deal more and have you had to complain of him during these two months i have never even thought of such a thing i think indeed my dear child said mademoiselle benoit that an excellent plan to avoid complaining of people is to endeavour to render them pleased with us edward returned home early eugenia scolded him for doing so but he came because he had good news to tell her although from a feeling of proper pride he did not like to speak of his happiness he nevertheless was not proud with fanny who was so kind and sensible besides he wanted to tell her what eugenia had done for him whilst he was relating the affair one of fanny's relations who was behind them heard a part of what was said and wished to learn the remainder as he was fanny's guardian and a person in whom she had great confidence she related the circumstance to him and spoke moreover of edward's position this guardian was an excellent man he conversed with edward and found that he possessed both intelligence and good feelings he was a banker and he told him that he would take him into his counting-house and give him a salary and indeed edward entered on his new duties the following day his first month's salary was partly employed in purchasing a dress for eugenia she was sorry for it though not excessively so for the dress was so pretty and it was so long since she had a new one but the following month he bought her a bonnet to match the dress this time she scolded him seriously very well said he take my money and let us spend it in common eugenia became his manager she bought nothing for herself but she was delighted when she could put in order or mend any of edward's clothes she purchased bargained and economized for him and was so careful of his money that she would not always let him have some when he asked for it so that he sometimes tried to steal a part of it from her in order to make her presents edward related to her every evening what he had seen and what he had done if sometimes she felt disposed to be a little vexed because he returned home rather later than usual she took one of his shirts to mend and thought no more of her ill-humour mademoiselle benoit finding her once thus occupied said to her you must allow that when we make our happiness consist in the attentions which others bestow upon us we may often be disappointed because they are not always disposed to grant these attentions whereas when we make it consist in what we do for them we have it always at our own command the banker's wife who was as kind as her husband had just returned from a journey edward soon spoke to her of eugenia she wished to see her called on her took her to her house where eugenia even passed some days with her while their cousin delighted at having saved her favourite canary from a violent attack of the cramp troubled herself as little at seeing her go out as she had done at seeing her stay within wasting away with ennui the banker's wife also introduced her to fanny's aunt and the two girls were soon united in the most tender friendship the affairs of edward and eugenia were arranged they succeeded to a small inheritance 
and are now in easy circumstances a marriage is spoken of between edward and fanny and it is also possible that eugenia may marry the banker's son she is very happy since affection has conquered the defects of her character she still finds them starting up occasionally but when she feels disposed to be irritable jealous or exacting she always succeeds by dint of reasoning in convincing herself that her ill-humour is unjust and if it be directed against any one she loves she says i suppose i do not yet love them sufficiently End of chapter thirteen